Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, we want to continue with uh, our study of the book of Matthew. And we are handling chapter 12 of our book of Matthew. And uh, we we already study, if you've not been able to listen to the podcast we've done, straight from the book of Genesis, you can find them on all podcast platforms and through our website, BibleIndepth.com. You can also get to know much more about this network. Um, we want to continue from where we left off yesterday, and that's at verse 22 of chapter 12. It starts by saying, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the mute man spoke and saw. Now, what is happening with this man? Uh, We've referenced it before, that he's blind and he is mute, and the reason that he is that is because of demon possession. When there is a presence of demons upon somebody's life, when there is a possession of demons upon someone's life, there is a risk that some of the chambers of your normal functioning can be damaged. And for this man specifically, he could not see and he, he was also mute. He could not speak. Yeah, and all that... Uh, had a part to play with the demons that had possessed him. But of course, as we know, Jesus is in charge of everything. We looked in our last study. He has authority over everything. So demons were not an issue for him. He would cast them out immediately. And immediately this man starts to see and starts to speak because afflictions of such nature, that's why it's important for us not to expose ourselves to scenarios or situations that will cause a demon position. Because that happens. There are places that can become a source of possession of demons. And we have to be careful about that. There there is an association that can lead to a presence of demons. And you have to be careful. For this man, it was too extreme that with that position, he could not see, he could not speak. And when Jesus... Uh, when he comes to Jesus, when he's brought to Jesus, he is totally healed. That implies also that demons were cast out. When God, when Jesus is working on your life, he does not leave pieces. Yeah, If he has taken away the, the, the sickness, then clearly even the demons shall leave. He is interested in total and complete healing. He's interested in total and complete transformation of our lives. We do not keep some things that are not right. We do not keep some evil. We do not keep some affliction with us and and let go of the other with Jesus. Everything that is negative has to live. And you're a pure and perfect person. And all the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man casts out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Of course, this is something they decided they will use because they saw that there is no way back. 
He's healing in every corner of the street. He's healing in all the land of Israel. He's doing great things. He's got a following. So what else do you do but to discredit somebody? And that's a habit that some people also have. That when you see somebody is excelling, then you start to speak wrongly about them. When you see somebody is going forward, then you start to speak wrongly about them, to discredit them, to make their name damaged. Yeah, because you do not want them to do what they do. Or you want people to think that they are doing it in an evil manner or in a wrong way. That's what the Pharisees did. These are the champions of religion in Israel at that time, but they have no problem speaking wrongly about others. And they're saying, Jesus casts out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. That's what they were saying. Of course, there are people who would do that at that time, and they categorize him in that. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts in verse 25, says to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. And this is the message he's giving them to answer to their issue of Beelzebul. Because he then says, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? He's saying, if you're saying that Satan is going to cast out Satan, then that's the fight that he's having within his own kingdom. So that kingdom will fall. So you cannot have Satan cast out by Satan because they will all have to maintain their kingdom, keep their strategy, and see how to destroy the world. So there are some, there are some things also we see today that uh, you'll have people say, no, that one casts out demons by, by, by their evil power. Yeah, It happens also in churches. And people come out with all sorts of statements and, and sayings about some leaders and uh, when they are carrying out their prayer and their ministry. But Jesus makes it clear for us here that Satan cannot cast out Satan. So if there is any power that happens, then that's power of God. And it will go out to crush the kingdom of the devil. Because that's what he's interested in, to crush the kingdom and hail high the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. And if I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. You remember, when, when you're talking to Jesus, you need to be careful. These Pharisees, because he reads thoughts. He can see through you. He can even see your children. And he's telling them, that is something you do. That's what your sons do. That's what you've taught them to do. And you're trying to match up, but they do it by Beelzebul. Now you think I also do it in the same manner. And now I think that hit them hard because they must have asked, how did he get to know that? And he says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And it had come. And it was here. And the message that kept on from the start, even from John the Baptist, was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now he's telling them, it is here. Because I do not do that by Beelzebul. I do it by the Spirit of God. And we need to also know that we have, you know, in the world there are so many things. There are so many options. There are so many spiritual angles you can take. But you need to take that one which is of God. There are people who do cast out by Beelzebul. 
like these guys were. But there is also the great power of God, by the Spirit of God, that demons are cast out. That's the one we do. That's the one we seek for. That's the one that God has given us access to. That's the one by which the Holy Spirit will guide us to transform the world. And that is the one that we work with. I know people can tell you, you come, we have some, some great power that you can receive and you even start a ministry and you cast out demons, but that is by Beelzebul. Be careful because there are people who can do it in all angles. He says here that there are those who cast out by Beelzebul, but then I cast by the Spirit of God. And we also need to know that we will not cast by any evil power, no. We cast by the Spirit of God. And that is what we do. That is what we follow as believers. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property? Unless he first binds him, the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. You can't enter somebody's house who is strong and you just pack up everything. And Jesus is telling them, the kingdom of heaven is strong. It cannot be broken. You cannot just come and play around with it. You don't just come and say, things that are not right about this kingdom. No. We do all that we do by the Spirit of God, by the power of God. And he goes on and says, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. This is a big statement. If you are not with Christ, then you are against him. If you do not believe in Christ, then you are against him. If you do not serve Christ, then you are against him. If you do not subscribe to that salvation promise that has been given to us, then you are against Christ. If you don't want to do the things that Christ tells us to do through his word, then you are against him. If you don't want to follow the commands of Christ, then you are against him. Because he said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. He who does not bring people within the kingdom, people. And by the way, sometimes not even just through the words, but the actions. You know, some actions we carry out can have an impact. There are people who are gathered to the kingdom of God just by your actions. But if your actions are then different or deterrent from that which is demanded of the principles of God, then you scatter. And Jesus says, if you're not with me, you are against me. If you're not gathering with me, then you're scattering. And he says, therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. But blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. This is the one time that we hear Jesus talk about Something that cannot be forgiven. All sins were died for at Calvary. Everything on the cross at Calvary, your sins, my sins, the sins of the world were crucified on the cross. And there we received victory. There we received peace. There we received victory and we sing and we shout and we say sin has been defeated at the cross on Calvary. And now... Jesus comes and says, any sin can be forgiven, man. Any blasphemy shall be forgiven, people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. This is a scripture that 
quite gets uh, hard to interpret for us today. But what's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? What is that that Jesus is saying shall not be forgiven? What is that? When he's leaving, he says, I'll leave with you the Spirit. I will leave you, I will send you the helper. Actually, he calls him the helper. That helper, that when I'm about to do wrong, there's that, that, that voice within me, that still small voice that says, do not do that, Alex. There's that voice within me that says, do good to your neighbor. Do not speak those words because they will hurt that person. There's that voice that says, go and help that needy man. There's a voice that says, do not do that which is not as per the commands of Christ. There's a voice that drives you to go out and pray for somebody. There's a voice that commands you to go out and feed the hungry. There's that voice. It's the helper. It's the spirit. And when we refuse to obey that voice, when we refuse to obey the spirit of God that is in us because it is in you, then we've blasphemed. If we refuse to obey that voice that is the helper, that voice that should lead us as Jesus commanded and as Jesus left that blessing for us, then we blaspheme. And then when we blaspheme and we do not listen and we do not heed to the voice, we keep doing wrong. And for people who keep doing wrong, there is no forgiveness because until the end of your life, you will not obey that voice. Hence, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness. There will not be any forgiveness. If you start to heed to the voice and listen to that small, still voice within you that leads you and directs you, this voice, the Spirit of God in you, the Holy Spirit, and you start to listen and do as He says and as He commands, then there is forgiveness. But if you refuse, that is blasphemy against the spirit because you refuse you just say uh, what are you telling me to do you know there is no by the way there is no war there there won't be a fight you know you have to do it no you'll say don't do that and you'll say i'll do it all he'll say do this and you say i will not do it and that is it and i need to understand as a believer that my life is led by the spirit i will walk by the spirit I'll do everything by the Spirit and it's important for me to always listen and have conversation with the Spirit. That's voice in you. Let's normalize it. Let's normalize having that conversation through the day. And you may be going to work and let him speak to you. And if you really want to know that God does speak to you, just tell him to speak to you. You'll start to hear everything. You'll start to hear words that are coming to you about your attitude about your character, about how you treat people. They will come easily because there is that voice within you, the Spirit. And when you refuse to listen to that voice and continue to walk in sin, then there is no forgiveness for you because that's the blasphemy against the Spirit. And he goes on and says in his word, as we study here, concerning the blasphemy of the Spirit, He goes on and says, They, all sins, all blasphemy shall be forgiven, 
But when it comes to blasphemy against the Spirit of God, then that will not be forgiven. Just a minute. Verse 32. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Now, he even tells you, you speak words against me as Jesus. It will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. He's saying, you call me that I, 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 I do all this by Beelzebul. It's okay. You speak words. We see today people abusing Christ. And they come out and abuse and abuse Christ. He says, you do it. It's okay. Do it for, for my name. But if it's for the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven you. There are words we also use. And uh, I think I talked about it some time back. Joking in the using the, the Holy Spirit in jokes. Be careful. Because right there, you can mess it up. And it says, either in this age or the age to come, it won't be forgiven. And it goes on verse 30, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. That we always know, we always say, You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out that which fills the heart. Everything that your mouth speaks is what your heart is comprised of. Everything that your mouth, these things that people say, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. That's what you actually meant to say because that's what is in your heart. It's in scripture here. It's plain and simple uh, that uh, the words that we say come from the heart. The words that we speak come from the heart. So when you get out there and you're talking to people and words that are coming out of your mouth are not good, then that's a correct and direct description of your heart. Because Jesus says, you being evil, you cannot speak what is good. If somebody is always spilling evil, speaking negative, then that is who they are. That is what is filled in their heart. For the mouth speaks that which fills their heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting on it, for it, in the day of judgment. Every careless word I speak, that's why you have to be careful before you speak. I have to train myself not to just speak. Think before you speak because there are careless words that we throw out. And Jesus says you'll be you give account for it in judgment. For by your words, you'll be justified. And you, by your words, you'll be condemned. This mouth of ours here will be a very important determinant on the day of judgment. What did you say? Because what you said, clearly as he has spoken earlier, is what is in your heart. And that implies if it's not good and it's evil, then evil has filled your life. And on the day of judgment, that is how you'll be justified by the words that you spoke. Friends, we need to control. We need to learn to control. We need to learn to keep quiet sometimes. And you be quiet and say, God, help me. What do you want me to say? You have the Spirit of God with you. Ask him that, 
what do you want me to speak? If he says be quiet, then be quiet. Don't say don't sometimes we are like, you know, for me I'm I'm not joke. They don't play around with me. Yeah, when 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 you play around with me, I give you fire. But with the fire and the words that you're releasing are someone's careless that you'll have to be accountable for them on the day of judgment. We need to be careful. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees say to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it. But the sign of Jonah, the prophet, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And uh, Jesus is telling them that you're asking for signs. You know, we follow signs a lot. You go to a church because there are miracles there. You go to a ministry because that's where the miracles are booming. And wherever there is a miracle, that is where you head. But he says those some some things like that, those um, that we crave for should have a lot to describe about our own personality. Yeah, And the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The men of Nineveh, if we remember when we were doing our study of the history of Israel and even through the book of Jonah when we did our study, the men who were in Nineveh, of course with the dispersion that happened, there, there were some Israelites that were living there, but then you also had uh, Gentiles, yeah, Gentile nations that are living there. And when Jonah comes to preach to them, they believed unchanged. And for us, we even have something greater. It's not even Jonah preaching to you. It's Christ who has come, who has given his commands, whom you've seen, whom you have, in whose power you move and witness. Yeah, great things. And we do not believe him. And he is telling them here that those men who Jonah spoke to will get up and condemn you because for them they had Jonah and repented. But now, something greater than Jonah is here. If people listened to Jonah and believed, how about Christ, the Son of God himself? Are we not going to believe the word that is being talked to us? The Queen of the South will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is greater than Solomon. And with all the greatness and how much we, we, we hail Solomon for his riches and the great things he did, and, and even the queen of the south who came to see him, will get up and say, I believed when I saw the great things that are being done by God through Solomon. And I came to see him. Now you have got Christ. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And when he tells you, no, do not abuse your friend. You do not listen because you do not believe in that power that is in you, that has been left with us, the helper. You don't believe in the power of God. And that is where the problem is. Now, he makes a big statement here. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, and passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits 
more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will be with this evil generation. Jesus gives us a very clear example of what happens when demons are cast out of people. Or when you decide to accept him and you leave your old life behind. This is what he says. When somebody has been afflicted by demons, and this, this will apply in very many cases, and there's prayer that has happened for that person, and there's deliverance that has happened, and probably you've been even living in a life of the world, and you accept Christ, and you start to, to go to church, and you walk with him, and you read your Bible, and you pray, and the unclean spirits flee. What happens after this deliverance has happened with you? Probably you went and you were prayed for. Your house is clean. There is no evil spirit there. There is nothing left in you because everything has been swept out, thrown out. You're a clean person. If you witness somebody who has gone through deliverance, you'll know what I'm talking about. That they look pure. They, when you even look at their face, it's like this is a new uh, phase of life. They have a freshness upon them. They have a freshness that is identifiable even when you just look at them. The person who never used to speak well speaks well. The person who used to walk like they, they do not uh, have their facilities working well, they are now in order. When that person has received that, there is need to fill that house with the word of God. There is need to fill that house with the principles of God. There is need to fill that house with the work of God. And that is where we come in to start to feed the people, the leaders, the shepherds, that you come and fill them. But also there is a, a role that you have to play as the, 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 the follower, that you've got to get out there also and do the things of God and listen and, and be very uh, active in seeking the kingdom of God, in learning what the word says, in doing that which the Lord demands of you. Because if you don't do that, this is what happens. That spirit, the unclean spirit that was sent out, will go looking for where to occupy, but it will not find. Because anyway, most cases, most places are already occupied, most souls are already occupied, so it can't just get in there. It struggles to find a place to dwell because that's where spirits dwell. They find a dwelling place and we should learn not to be the dwelling place of evil. I should only be a dwelling place of the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of evil. And now, what does it do? It comes and says, let me go back and check with this brother or this sister and see if there's any substance that is has been put in the place where I was. Is there the presence of the Holy Spirit, is it receiving that which is is required? Yeah? Or this man just doesn't care anymore. After receiving deliverance or having a cleansing, then they just left. They did not get make any effort to learn about the kingdom of God. Now when it comes and sees that this place is occupied, unoccupied, it goes back and brings seven other spirits, more wicked. Now this teaches us that they are the, the level of wickedness in evil spirits is on different levels. There are spirits that are more wicked than others. Now, that's where it goes and brings more. 
and now they come again and dwell and now we are told the state of this person is worse than it was in the first because now there are seven more wicked seven more that have been added wicked and you cannot help that person and this is a problem we are seeing with this generation jesus says it we will see it with this generation and it's clear that we shall we see it with this generation as well that after we have accepted Christ and he's been in cleansing and we do not feel that place, we leave room. And we do not do the, 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 we don't read the word, we don't pray, we don't do the things of the kingdom of God. We leave room. And that is where you see people who might even be in church, but they are much more evil than people you might say are not in church. Because when they did not occupy when they left the place unoccupied, when they left the house unoccupied, they gave room for evil. And now their state is worse than it was in the first. That's very key and very important for us to know that we need to fill ourselves with the word of God and with the things of God. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brother standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered uh, and said, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. This does not imply that he's saying it's not good to, to listen or have relations with your family. No, but he brings out a point here that you who believe in him, you who do his will, you who are his disciples, you are the family that he talks about here and considers you. Of course, even knowing from where you come from, sometimes you receive opposition that people do not believe that you, even Jesus himself, where he comes from, they do not believe in him. They do not believe in his power. They don't believe in what he's doing. They see, we saw this man. We saw him grow. We saw him in everything. He was playing from the streets here. We, and now they, they take it for granted. Now that's common for families. that the, you will not be Prophets are not recognized where they come from. And that could be the case with Jesus here. But also still, he puts out a crucial point for us that you have to know that if you are a disciple of Christ, then you are the family that he's talking about. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we pray and ask you to lead us, guide us, and help us do that which honors you all the days of our lives. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' my name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.